Good morning, church. I really didn't have a creative intro, but in the last two minutes while Miranda was talking, I thought of two. So I'm going to give you both of them, and we'll see. The first one, the funny one, is I understand why Pastor Mark was leaving this podium here now. This thing's heavy. <laughs> I went to move this and felt like I was going to smack my shin on this metal, whatever this composite this is. And then I went to pick it up just right then, like, whoa. Yeah, I'm not in shape for that. <laughs> we might stick to the lighter table from now on. And then a little more serious one, and it's a, it's a spoiler alert for the benediction this morning, but in the benediction, I'm going to be mentioning how us coming here on Sunday mornings is practice for what we'll get to do in heaven. And I'll say, getting to hear you guys sing Waymaker, and there's something about that name, really just felt heavenly. And I hope that you could hear the rest of the congregation singing that because that was a beautiful moment of praise. It really was practice for what we'll get to do for all of eternity. So there's your spoiler for the benediction. <laughs> I'm not sure if it's been formally announced from the platform yet, so I'll just go ahead and say it. During this interim time, the current plan is for Pastor Moran and I to handle about half the preaching. And we're going to be taking these first three Sundays before a little bit of a break. So when we were talking about what should we be preaching for these first three weeks, Miranda had the idea to go back to a sermon series that Pastor Mark had been doing um, just for two weeks back in November. He preached a short, a short series called What If Jesus Was Serious? that was based from a book by Sky Jathani. And in that particular book, the author looks at sayings of Jesus from the Sermon on the Mount. But this, what if Jesus was serious, has turned into a book series, and he now he has separate ones talking about the church and prayer and a few different things. So we decided that would be a good idea to come back to it and do the church one, because during this time, that's what we're going to be looking at. And quite honestly, Pastor Mark's final thoughts touched on a lot of these same topics or ideas, so it's going to feel like we're doubling up a little bit, but that's okay. This morning, we're going to be hopping around Scripture quite a bit, but we are going to start with Ephesians chapter 2, where we're looking at verses 18 through 22. In this passage, Paul is talking about how both the Jews and the Gentiles are welcomed into the family of God. And by including both Jews and Gentiles, he's really saying that everyone is invited. So let's look at this together. For through him, we both, or we all, have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. This passage with all of its clauses seems pretty wordy. But I love how Paul says that because of Jesus, we are no longer strangers. Rather, we are now members of God's household. The family is the most common metaphor biblical authors use to describe the church. Not all of the metaphors in the Bible translate well to our culture today. 
Now, of course, the message or the point of it still stands true, but outside of church circles, I would have never known the actual size of a mustard seed, so that would have went over my head. (laughs) And there's many agrarian metaphors that farmers today would understand that the rest of us simply wouldn't if we didn't talk about them within a church setting. But when it comes down to it, family is universal. There's naturally going to be small differences, but across all cultures and time, we understand family. It's the most basic, but most formative of all human communities, and it's what the church is called to be. When embracing this call to be a spiritual family, the church today is equipped to meet this generation's relational and spiritual thirst. In a time full of digital avatars, divisions that spew across the election cycles, and when loneliness has been declared an epidemic, We are called to be an incarnate community whose household celebrates peace and healing. Sky Jathani writes that the church is a surrogate family where a generation of spiritual orphans can find the love of Christian mothers and fathers, sisters and brothers, which ultimately points to the love of God himself. And that is good news. May it be so. What it means to be the church is our focus for this morning, but we use the word church in various ways. In today's English, there's at least four different ways that we use that word. It can mean the building that we're sitting in today. I came to the church this morning. We often call our Sunday morning services church. I went to church today. Then there's the institution, like I gave my tithe to the church last week. And finally, we describe the community of Christians as the church. The church supported us during the loss of our loved one. These uses are, are, are all grammatically correct. So asking which one is right isn't really the best question. But if we are asking what if Jesus was serious about the church, then we should be looking at what the New Testament authors, just, or how they describe the church. Logically, Jesus and his disciples never used the word church or the Aramaic and Greek versions of it to describe a building or event because Christianity, I'm squealing a lot. Should I switch to a handheld? Good, okay. Never used it to describe a building or an event Because Christianity was an unrecognized or even a legal religion in the Roman Empire with no dedicated buildings for worship until roughly the 4th century, which was well after the New Testament was written. Christians would still persistently meet for prayer and teaching and encouragement, but these events weren't called church, rather they were viewed as gatherings of the church. So that leaves us with looking how the authors talked about the church as a community. If Jesus was serious, then we must be dedicated to a community and not merely an institution. And it is very easy to confuse the institution of the church with the spiritual community of God's people. It is very possible, and I think even more so during this interim time, that you can give of your time and your talent and your treasure, 
You can give all of that to the institution, the enterprise called the church, but never truly know the mutual joy, hope, peace, love, and support that comes when united with the family of God. Institutions and their corporate values can easily see people as a means to an end without regard to their health. But communities and families, they're meant for encouragement and support. With as many of you that are here this morning listening, I am sure that there's at least someone here who has been burnt out by the enterprise of the church. And I just hope that the family has stepped up and confessed of allowing that to happen and that you are in a place of support right now. If you are currently in a place of hurt and burnout from this establishment, please come talk to me or another leader. We would love to see how we can reconcile. And I'm saying all of this while also not trying to diminish the value of organization. In my sermon on New Year's Day, I listed several things that this local church was able to do throughout 2022. And all of those things took much coordination from the enterprise of the church. And it's easy to biblically back up organization within a church setting. Many people view Pentecost and Acts 2 as the birthday of the church. But by Acts 6, the disciples are already organizing a food distribution system. The number of meetings, planning sessions, and volunteer hours that it takes to keep things rolling here is crazy, and Miranda just hit on that. Today, just to coordinate our regular 10 a.m. worship service, we have 35 volunteers and staffs serving during this hour, and that's not including several others who helped plan music and kids' materials or made sure the building was clean. That's just those serving within this hour. So thank you again so much to everyone who serves. We truly couldn't do this without you. And in the midst of the planning, it's too easy to get caught up on those details rather than the relationships. Committees and organizations themselves aren't innately sinful, but let's not confuse the family of God with the structures that are designed to support it. Think about it this way and I sure hope I don't accurately describe one of your family traditions. I tried to be absurd enough not to hit every detail correctly. But sharing a weekly family dinner is a great idea if you're able to work out all of the kinks and details. But the pressure to have Uncle Lou's twice-baked liver casserole at 6.04 p.m. on every Tuesday night is not what that's all about. It's not as important as having dedicated time together to reminisce and share life. Nostalgia is great, we all know that, but that's not what it's ultimately about. Sharing life together is a core part of being a family, and that's what we see from the earliest church. Nearly every sermon that's ever going to hit on this topic is going to be looking back at Acts 2. And there it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. 
Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Here's the epitome of what the church is supposed to look like. Though much of the rest of the New Testament covers the problems that these same people end up having. But we can still look back on the earliest church and see what they valued. Because those values remain the same. But the way we go about them are likely to look different. We obviously can't turn back time and recreate the same first century church in our world today. We are called to this time, this culture, this location. So let's be asking Jesus how we can best serve and what it means to be his church here in New Philadelphia in 2023. So how do we go about being Jesus' church? In leadership training circles, you may have heard the quote that was made famous by Jim Collins, you've got to get the right people on your bus. There is some wisdom in that thought, especially when considering who is in leadership. But it is too easy to over-apply this concept to the church. In my free time, I enjoy playing video games. And when I wrote this manuscript, I was thinking, I wonder how many times that has been said from this platform. <laughs> I'm pretty narrowed in on the franchises that I actually play. But one of those is Madden, the NFL video game. Within those gameplays for Madden, there's a mode called Franchise that allows you to fantasy draft all of the current players, meaning that instead of playing as one of the 32 teams as they are in real life with the same players, all of the players are put into one pool, and then each city gets to draft an entirely new team. My closest friends laugh at me for this, but I truly find the process of drafting a brand new team more fun than actually playing the football games with them. <laughs> Miranda has seen me on several nights just doing three drafts and then turning my PlayStation off. I really enjoy that because <laughs> I love roster building. It's about getting the right people on your team at the best time, at the best position, while also getting the other teams to pick their own ones. And I nerd out about the strategy of this all. I really do. When applied to the church, however, see, I'm bringing it back in, it's easy to forget one critical fact. We aren't the GM of this church, nor is it our bus. This belongs to Jesus, and he alone decides who is on it, regardless whether we think they are the right people or not. If Jesus was serious, then we must remember it's his church and not ours. When announcing the kingdom of God and his mission to this world, Jesus assembled quite the team of misfits. He picked fishermen and zealots and tax collectors to be the ones that first got to teach and do miracles. They weren't wise, powerful, or influential at first. And they had no earthly chemistry or, inf or influence at first. Let's just look at two of the 12. 
the world would have only ever expected hostility between Matthew the tax collector and Simon the zealot. Matthew was a Jew himself who sided with the Roman Empire and unfairly taxed his own people, while Simon, a Jewish revolutionary, violently opposed Roman rule. Jesus saw beyond their differences and included them together in his closest followers. He even radically changed their lives to the point where Acts says they were united in one spirit. And I love how The Chosen depicts this transformation at the beginning of season three. I'm not going to play the clip because I don't want to spoil us for that if you're not to season three yet, but they nail this. It doesn't make logical sense, but after the resurrection, the disciples with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer. Unity is not something like team chemistry that we can find through a common goal or interest. It only comes from abiding in the same Lord bound by the Holy Spirit. If it was all in our hands, we would likely be removing the exact people from the bus that Jesus most wants on board. Let's make it a little more personal because we got a few amens there. If it was all up to us, our church directories would probably look a little different. They'd probably include a different set of people. But Jesus came so that all may receive grace and salvation. Just a couple weeks ago, Pastor Mark talked directly about whether we are forming our faith around our political allegiances and societal pressures, or if we are letting our faith be how we see the world. This is the same concept. Are we asking Jesus to be on our bus, or are we on Jesus'? It is often asked whether you can be a Christian and not be part of the community or family of the church. This question likely has been around for 2,000 years, but COVID has seemingly only exasperated the issue. You all have heard different metaphors and teachings and arguments about this question, so let me just say something that is near the heart of the issue. If we are going to continue to be a family, then part of the responsibility, or rather the privilege, is showing up to encourage one another. So come because you need this time of accountability and encouragement, but so does the person next to you, and you can be a blessing to them. Our culture champions the independent spirits, the cowboys, the explorer, the business owners, but we are not called to live this faith journey alone. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians that they devoted themselves to the apostles. That's my Acts 1, I'm sorry. We'll get there. I am lost. Can, do I have 1 Corinthians 12 back there, April? All right, I'll read it for you. Sorry. If you have your Bibles, you can open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. <laughs> and I'm starting in verse 12. Sorry about that. Just as, just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. 
jumping down to verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. If Jesus was serious, then he has reconciled a people and not just individuals to God. Jesus absolutely lived, died, and was resurrected to reconcile you back to God, but he also did it for us corporately. And if you disagree, try breaking bread with one another alone or fulfilling the Great Commission by yourself. Our triune God is relational beyond our understanding, and we were made in God's image. You have the personal responsibility and relationship within the Christian faith, but we are also together the church. In the Lord's Prayer, it starts off with our Father. And if God is collectively our Father, then those within the church are naturally our spiritual sisters and brothers. In another form of thanks and encouragement, I want to boast on you guys again. You all did an amazing job at portraying this familial spirit last week. Let me show you some of these pictures to brag on the love that you poured out on the Maddox family. Last Sunday was an incredible day of prayer and encouragement and reflection. And I know saying that love was in the air has some weird Valentine's Day connotations. (laughs) But I'm going to say it anyway, because your love for them could tangibly be felt throughout the day. So great job, church. I know they really appreciated it. Now, if none of those things happened last week, yes, it's still possible that you might love the Maddox family, but because you showed up and actively expressed that love, it could be felt by them. Love bottled up doesn't do anybody any good. It innately wants to burst out and express itself. What we do here as a church family is supposed to express that love, and everything we do is deeply formative. The lyrics we sing, the way they are presented, our greeting process, our sermon series, our various ministries like Kidmen, Youth Group, and Discipleship Groups, they all have a purpose. But in order to get the value out of those things, they require participation. Peter writes, For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins." If you are not making an effort, it is entirely possible to be at church and not be living in communion with Christ. Going through the motions and showing up on Sunday mornings, that's only going to get you so far. It makes me think of school. And trust me, I've seen plenty of people graduate high school and even college and leave uneducated. School and education are not the same thing. 
and being at church and living in a relationship with Christ aren't the same either. We are saved by grace alone, but growth and encouragement come with holy discipline, and discipline requires engagement. We who have accepted Christ as our Lord and Savior are adopted into the community of believers, the church, the family of God. That's why each Sunday morning, in a sense, is a family reunion. We get together each week to worship, to encourage one another, to hear the word preach, to lament, to celebrate, and pray all in God's name. We may drive each other crazy at times, but we are united by the Holy Spirit. So I'd like to end today's sermon by rereading the text that I started with. So would you stand with me and hear this passage once more? For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. Built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. This morning, if you have not made the step to make Jesus the Lord of your life, or if you have stepped away from the family of God, why don't you fall back into the arms of the Father who loves you more dearly than words can express? Maybe you're holding back the grace and forgiveness that you know that someone else here needs because of a past hurt. Why don't you find reconciliation with them today? You might be one of the 36% of Americans today who feel lonely. Why don't you come to the altar and let your fellow Christian brothers and sisters surround you in prayer. So we're going to take a time of pray, to pray, then we're going to sing a familiar praise chorus together. So let's pray. God, we come before you seeking to be the family of believers that you have called us to be. God, the honor of being adopted as your child can't be spoken enough. Words can't describe the acceptance that you have for us, the healing and peace that you you desire for us. So God, I pray that every single person here can feel your touch, to feel your warmth, to feel your acceptance. God, whatever it is that's stopping us from feeling that, may we lay that down at your feet. May we find reconciliation, whether it's with the people beside us, across the sanctuary, or with the establishment of the church. God, I pray for peace and healing, and may we all be called the family of God. God, you're good to us, and we love you so much. Amen. Let's sing this chorus together.
you hear this benediction this morning. As you go from this place, be blessed by knowing that you belong to Jesus, the living God. Look around you. I know it's a little dark, but you are surrounded by your sisters and brothers who also belong to God. One day, the whole family of God's children will gather together in every language and worship in every expression of praise. And we have practiced for that moment today. So now, as you go out from here, share the grace of Jesus Christ with each other and be immersed together in God's love. Go in grace and peace.